Good morning. Welcome. Great, great to see you this morning here in our second service today. We're so glad you're with us. want to welcome those who are joining us online as well. If this is your first time with us, we especially want to welcome you. And I know uh, we're a church that's for people because we believe God is for people. And uh, one of those groups that we're for is we're so for uh, Canacook being here this week. We have 36 young people over here joining us in the middle of summer. We're so glad you're with us. Ex- excited for the week that uh, over 100 of our kids in our community have. Uh, it's just a great week every year. And so high energy, high octane makes me tired just watching them. And I want to take a nap just thinking about it. But anyway, we're so glad you guys are with us this morning and uh, praying for you. can be praying for our camp this week as well. Uh, McCandless, I'm excited about uh, that we've had uh, 10 or so teachers from McCandless here with us this morning. You saw them out in each of the four years as they came in. We especially want uh, to welcome them to our service today. We're for McCandless because we believe God's for McCandless. And one of the ways that we get a chance to show that we're for them is that uh, they have eight, uh, 80 uh, uniforms left uh, needed. Uh, and if we give $40, every $40 we give, will provide two uniforms for kids at McCandless. And so on your way out today, I just encourage you, church, you're a generous church. I encourage you to open up your pocketbooks and, uh, and uh, sponsor a, a kid. And then later on, you'll get even a, the kid in the mail uh, that you know who you can pray for this year and just partner with McCandless. And man, just some fantastic teachers I've met here this morning. We're glad they're with us today. So I hope you'll take a part of that. And uh, again, if you don't have a check or something, you can bring it by this week or also... You can just go to Hutch. You can text the word Hutch to 56316, and one of the giving options is McCandless. You can do it through that way as well, too, and we can get in touch with you. We are in a, a, a start of our summer. Things are always cry, kind of crazy in the summer, and instead of, uh, you know, the kids are having all the fun. We talked about all these things for our, our high school, our middle school. Middle school, by the way, leaves for camp. I mean, I'm sorry for mission trip tomorrow to Texas, so pray for Pastor Aaron on your way out, you'll get a list of uh, kids. Those are our middle school kids to pray for this week, in addition to praying for our Camp Kennecook kids. So I encourage you to pray for them. But, you know, I thought it's not, we've kind of sat around and said, it's not fair for the kids to get all the fun. Uh, adults, we like to have fun too. We like to, have, we like to be kids. And so we're going to have a fun summer. We're calling it One Summer. Don't miss it. And we're going to start it on July 4th. It's July 4th falls on a Sunday this year. So we're going to have a a freedom celebration and barbecue and block party. And then for the next six weeks, we're going we're gonna to gather together for one service for six weeks starting July 4th. Uh, we want to do that for several reasons. We want to come together in one service. We want to have fun together after each service, and we want to grow in together and invite others. And so Here's the fun part of this. After each of that, the services which we come together, uh, the first week we're going to have a block party, and that includes uh, free hot dogs and hamburgers, free water inflatables for the kids. We'll have seating inside and out because we know it can get hot. Uh, There'll be cornhole, other things. We're just going to have fun uh, on that Sunday, July 4th. July 11th, we're going to have local food trucks come in. I wish we could do that for free, but just was too much. But gives us an opportunity before our local vendors and support their businesses. And so I hope you'll come and enjoy some great food uh, from the food trucks afterwards, July 18th. And you'll see a theme here. It all revolves around food because I had something to do with this. Um, July 18th, snow cones. July 25th, homemade ice cream. You know, you're thinking, what about eating, you know, all that sugar? We're going to do it like they're going to do it in heaven. I, I, I'm with you. We're going to do it like it's going to be in heaven. Dessert first. We're going to have dessert first. 
Then you can go out with your families and eat afterwards. And then uh, August 1st, we're going to have another block party and barbecue. And so we're going to have the water inflatables back. It's going to be a fun day. And finally, August 8th, before we start back up to school, that's going to be our back-to-school Sunday. We're inviting the food trucks to come back. All, uh, all those involved in education, whether custodian, administrator, teacher, we love those who uh, work in our education system. And in fact, I said this to a few teachers out there, you get your summers off for a reason, because if you didn't have them, you'd be in prison. And so uh, we want to honor all those school employees. And so on that day, if you're a school employee and you're here that day, uh, we'll give you a free voucher for a food truck that day on us, and we just want you to enjoy that and everyone else you're paying. So um, anyway, it's going to be a great summer. We're looking forward to it. And uh, I wasn't here last week. Um, Heather and I were uh, vacationing. We're uh, God vacations in Colorado, and uh, we're glad to be back. But I didn't get the opportunity uh, to congratulate Coach Dallas and the 8CC Blue Dragons on their national championship. And so I just think that's fantastic and awesome. And I kind of wanted to join this a little bit. You may not, you know how bad my team was in college. Um, but for five games, the first five games of my junior year, we were ranked the number one passing defense in the nation. I was a defensive back, very proud of that. Um, but before you get too proud of that, um, it's because they didn't need to pass. All they had to do was run on us. <laughs> uh, Ten yards a pop, it was not a problem. Uh, we, we, that stat didn't matter because we didn't have the most important stat. That was to win. If you're any sports team, we know the NFL, all 32 teams, I don't care if you're a coach, player, fan, or even if you don't care about football, you know what the goal of every NFL football team is. It's to win the Super Bowl. That's the goal, is to, is to win the big game at the end. And friends... Uh, we have a goal and the most important thing. And so today we're talking about the most important thing, that one thing, and the most important goal that we have as a church and as followers of Jesus. And as we do, let me maybe share this. My niece, Shaylee, who's now married and out in California, she is such a sweet gal. But when she was three years old, the whole family just kind of described her as she went through a stage and she was meaner than a junkyard dog. <laughs> I mean, it was a challenging time for her parents, and um, I kind of enjoyed the stage since I didn't have to live with her all the time, and I kind of liked to harass that a little bit. And I would try to get her to tell her uh, that she loves me, or her uncle Kent, and she didn't like to do that. And so I would try to trick her sometimes. I'd say, Shaylee, do you, do you love your mommy? Yes. Do you love your daddy? Yes. Do you love nanny? Yes. Do you love papa? Yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you love Aunt Heather? Yes. Do you love Kent? And before I can get, you, do you love Uncle Kent out of my mouth? She just paused for a second and thought, and she said, I don't know Jesus. And I think we discovered what the problem was. <laughs> I think we understood why she is meaner than a junkyard dog. And I've known professing Christians who are meaner than junk, junkyard dogs. I mean, we can know a lot about Jesus. We can study about Jesus. We can pray about Jesus. We can gather in the name of Jesus. We can try to do right by Jesus and try to not do wrong by Jesus. But the thing, the only thing that really matters is do we really love him? Do we love Jesus? That's the question for us today. 2000, uh, actually it was the question Jesus asked of Peter, if you, we remember right. Uh, after the resurrection, you know, Peter had let Jesus down. He disowned him three times. And they're having this conversation by the seashore. And Jesus says, 
to Peter, uh, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And he goes, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, yes, Lord, I, I, I love you. And he goes, do you really love me? And he's like, yes, I love you. And he was hurt and cut to the core that Jesus asked him that. But every time Jesus responded with this, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, take care of my lambs. If you love me, take care of my people. Feed my sheep. The way that we love God is how we love people. And 2,000 years ago, there was a group of people who had really good statistics. They knew so much about God. They studied about God. They prayed to God. They devoted themselves to God. They devoted themselves to all the laws of God. And we know these guys as Pharisees religious leaders who knew the 613 Jewish laws frontward and backwards. In fact, they put them in categories. They knew that 248 of them were positive commands. They knew that 365 of them were negative commands. And they would often kind of rank what was most important and what carried the most weight, you know, which ones were the weightiest of the commandments. And they were trying to bring Jesus into this conversation to catch him in a aha moment, gotcha moment again, as they always tried to do. And in this particular time, we are very familiar with these words that Jesus shared out of Matthew chapter 22, 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied with what we know also well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the equal to it is to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What does this mean? What does it mean to love? What does love look like? Uh, When I first entered in the ministry and had my first pastorate near Sacramento, California. About thir- uh, when we gathered early on in my early on in my ministry, I'd ask pastors that had been around a lot longer than I had. I'd ask them this question: What advice would you have for a rookie pastor? What advice would you have for a newbie? And I don't remember honestly any of their responses, and I don't remember any of their names. But I remember one response. It was from a pastor in Fairfield, California, near Sacramento. He just said, "Kent." If you can do anything in your ministry, get love right. Get love right. Now, that's the goal. That's what we're working towards. I'd be the first to, to admit, I don't get it right. I get it wrong so many times. But friends, for the Christian, love is our Super Bowl. Love is the highest. Jesus is the one that set the standard to love God and love others. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. That's our Super Bowl. This Friday night, I'll be performing a wedding in Kansas City of a family in our church and their beautiful young daughter and uh, the Moors and their uh, soon-to-be son-in-law. And every time I gather uh, for, it's such a privilege, but as I'm going to watch into these two young Uh, lovebirds gaze into each other's eyes. Honestly, I know they barely listen to a word that I say. Hopefully they'll recall some things later or watch it later, but they're just so focused on each other. But I hope that at least the audience will hear uh, always I share this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the passage that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and it's a passage we all know so well. And, and And he says, and now let me show you the most excellent way. The best way, if you will. Paul says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, 
but do not have love. If I'm good with my mouth and persuasion, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy or preaching and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I know the Bible backwards and forwards, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing." We are, and I, I will go on to share the rest of that passage in the wedding this Friday night, but for our purposes today, it's this. We're nothing without love. We can look the part, play the part. We can sound good, look good, but if we don't have love, we are nothing. And I know today when I say this that it can sound a little generic, like it's just we're preaching this love message Pastor's preaching an easy topic, a, a love message. And Francis Chan, I've been uh, reading one of his new books, U- Until Unity. And there's a few things that really stood out to me that I want to share with you today. One is this. He said, we as Christians spend more time learning than we do loving. He also said, whom does God look to? He looks to the humble person who trembles at his word. And then this is what I want us to get. He said, some of you may have been taught to tremble at God's commands regarding sexual immorality, but not the ones demanding love and unity. Love and unity has been looked at as a cute topic for those who don't have the theological expertise to look into deeper issues. Love and unity has been looked as a soft option for those who don't care about the truth. The commands to love are sacred commands that come from a holy and terrifying God. So why don't we tremble at his commands to love? Why don't we take that seriously? Why don't we take that to heart? Why don't we tremble at his greatest command to love one another? And I know for some it might say, if I wish our pastor, I wish, wish he'd preach maybe more on, on those things and preach more on hell. And by the way, we're going to preach on the subject of hell, actually, August 1st. I figure it's going to be hot that time of year anyway. It's a good time to kind of raise the subject. But the title is Hell and the Kindness of God. And it sounds like an oxymoron, but you'll have to come back for that message. Today, we're talking about love. And love's a big deal to God. It's the biggest deal to him. It's our Super Bowl. And we can have all the faith in the world. We can have all the Bible knowledge in the world. We can know all the right things to say and all have all the church language down. But if we don't have love, we got nada, nada, nothing, something. We got nothing. So today for our, 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 our uh, maybe even instructor to lead us through this, we're going to look to the Apostle John. The Apostle John was the writer of several books in the Bible, the Gospel of John, one of the four Gospels. He's writer of the book of Revelation, the prophecy of end time. He's also the writer of three short letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Today, we're going to look at 1st John. Uh, Something you should know about the author, John often referred to himself as you read his writings as the apostle that Jesus loved. Sounds kind of arrogant. Sounds kind of self-serving. Sounds kind of like he thinks pretty highly of himself. But really, he's just thinking right of himself. 
You know, God doesn't have any favorites. He loves everyone equally. There is no favorites. But John looked at himself in a healthy way because he accepted God's love. He accepted God's grace. And, and he, he came from a right perspective that he was secure and safe in who he was in God. He, he knew that God loved him and referred to him as the, the apostle or the, the one that God loved, the apostle that God loved. I think it would be good for all of us to have the right perspective of how God sees us, that he loves us, that he loves you, that he loves me. And so as we look to John, our instructor today, I invite you to join me, chapter 4, verse 7. And the, I'm going to talk about the stages of love is what I'm calling this, seven things that he shared with us in this short passage. One, love begins as a commandment. Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love is, first of all, a commandment. Remember when you were uh, little, your parents said this to you, or maybe as parents you say this to your kids, you would, you know, brothers kind of get in an argument, and you tell them, hey, go tell your brother you're sorry. I want you to tell each other you're sorry. You didn't want to do it, but you did it. And then you said, now tell each other that you love each other. And you didn't want to do that either, but you did it because you were told to do it. And then you said, give your brother a hug. And you, and you had to hug and embrace because mom and dad made you say, I'm sorry, I love you, and you made you embrace. You did it not because you felt like it. You did it because you were commanded by a place of authority. We've all experienced that. Jesus is in a place of authority, and, and the apostle John is talking from a place of authority. He said, we are commanded to love. It's not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. It's a command. We're commanded to love. Secondly, love began as a demonstration, verse 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent us an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I think of the teachers that are here today. I think of my wife as a teacher, and good teachers don't just give instruction. Good teachers model. Good teachers demonstrate. And Jesus was the perfect teacher. And Jesus modeled for us. He didn't just instruct us. He showed us what love is. He showed us what love was on a cross for us. That, that he died for us not when we were at our best, but he died for you and me when we were at our worst. He set the example for us. He didn't just command us to do it, but he did the difficult thing, and he showed us what it is to love. Thirdly, love becomes a privilege. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. It's a wonderful thing when it comes from a thing that I have to to you get to. It, there's, there's a privilege in loving when, when we understand how much God loves us. And we begin to love not out of duty, but out of a, 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 a ought to because of what God has done for us. Fourthly, love becomes evidence. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and they in God. Love becomes evidence. Jesus said it this way. They'll know that we're his followers by the way that we love one another. Not by the way that we gather in church, not by the way we lift up our arms, not by the, how much we read our Bible or how much we pray. Those things are all good. They're all important. But the way that we'll know is, the way that they'll know is by the way that we love each other. Pastor Aaron spoke last week about, uh, out of the Revelation, another place where John wrote about lukewarm Christians. And if there's something I've seen about the evidence of God's uh, people is this. It's marked by love. When, when you see love, we all know what love looks like. We know what it feels like when we receive it. What does it look like not to love? Well, this is just one aspect, and I'm guilty of this myself. Uh, but if I've seen something growing up in the church and being around the church, it's when people are sharing God's love, there's a grace there is a forbearance. There is a giving one another the benefit of the doubt. There's, there's, there's a long suffering involved. There's, there's not a quick to snap into judgment. But when we're low on love, what I notice is a critical spirit. And that critical spirit, I know for myself personally, when my love tank is not full, I begin to become a critical person. When my love tank is not full, I'm more critical towards Heather. I'm more critical towards my daughters. I'm more critical towards God's people in the church. When my love tank is low and when I'm not being filled and refilled with the Spirit, when my love tank gets low, I can become a critical person. It's something I've seen in the church as well. When people's love is low, I believe one of the things it's marked by is a critical spirit. Love becomes evidence. We'll be known by our love. Fifth. Love builds confidence. Verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in, lives in God and God in them, this is how love is made complete among us so we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. You can be confident of this. You can be confident that God is is love. You can be confident that, of God's love for you. You can be confident that this is not a trait of God. This is not an attribute of, attribute of God. Love is the very essence of God. It's who he is. They're indistinguishable. You can't have one without the other. God is love and love is God. You cannot have love without God and you cannot have God without love. They are one in of the same. God is Love, And the more we walk in that confidence that God is love, the more we become confident in the way that we love and live towards others. Six, love drives out fear. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I had a high school coach that prepared us uh, to not be afraid to play on Friday nights to not be afraid of making mistakes, to, to not be afraid of making hustle mistakes. And if you were going after it hard and you were giving your best effort, he would not come down on you hard because you were given of your best and you need, need not fear. Love drives out fear. And finally, love completes us. 
Now, when I say that love completes us, I, my mind goes to the wedding ceremony this Friday, and I'm going to look at these two young lovebirds. And I've heard different uh, uh, young men and young women say this. You may have said this at one time. You know, he, he just completes me. Or she just completes me. No one completes anybody. Heather doesn't complete me. I don't complete Heather. There's only one who can complete us. It's Jesus Christ. Only God can complete us. Oh, God makes us for one another, and and our spouses can compliment us. They can be a compliment to us. But if you're looking for that special Mr. Right or Mrs. Right to complete you, you'll never find it. You'll never be satisfied because no person can complete you. Only Jesus can complete you. This is how love is made complete, verse 17, among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. What does it mean to be perfect? We're human, so we're never going to be perfect. But I do believe that God, through his Holy Spirit, can birth in us uh, and starting us a, a birthing process of a perfect heart, a, a perfect intent. And the best way I can describe it, I know I've shared this before in my six years, but there's at least 36 of you that have never heard this from me before. But it's like that little boy. It's the little boy that out on a hot, sunny day in July, it's 110 degrees, it's 90% humidity, it's miserable. He's out playing with the hose and playing and making mud pies and there's grass and all these things in it. And he sees his dad mowing the lawn and he, and he, and he, and he sees him sweating profusely and he loves his dad. And so he says, you know, dad looks hot. Dad looks like he could use a drink. So he rushes inside and he can, you know, he's just a little guy. He can barely see above the countertop, but he, he grabs what he thinks would be the best thing on a hot day, a nice thick glass of vitamin D whole milk, and he pulls it out and he pours it into the glass and he gets the Hershey's chocolate syrup because nothing makes it taste good like Hershey's syrup. And he begins to pour that in and, and, and he didn't wash his hands. He can't see above the countertop. So he takes that spoon and he just begins to stir that and, and dirt and grass is becoming off of his fingertips and it just begins to become a floating mess at the top. And But he's so excited to take it to his dad. But all of a sudden, he hears his favorite cartoon in the background. And so he rushes into the family room, and he's watching his favorite cartoon. And 20, 25 minutes go by. And before he knows it, he dawns on, oh, oh, yeah, my dad, he he needs that cold drink. And so he goes back in, and he, he looks at that drink, and he grabs it, and he takes it off the countertop. And now it's this lukewarm, thick chocolate milk, floaties and grass and dirt. And he runs it out to his dad. He said, Dad, 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 look what Daddy, look what I've, look what I've made for you. And his daddy looked down at him and looked at the milk and looked, looked at him and looked at the milk and said, what kind of idiot did I raise? He didn't say that. He looked down at that little boy with love in his eyes and he looked at his heart because God looks upon the end. We look the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart and he picks up that big, thick glass of chocolate milk with floaties all over it. And he guzzled that down. He looks at his young boy and he said, that's the best drink your daddy's ever had. Thank you so much. You knew just what your daddy wanted. That's 
That's how we love God. We bring to him our sin and our dirt and our brokenness and our floaties. And it, it's not, it's lukewarm, and, but the heart and the intent, God knows our heart. He knows if you love him. He knows if your heart is for him, your outcomes won't always result in a looking perfect, but God can put a heart of perfection in you that desires him. You won't be sinless. You won't be not perfect, but you can have a heart that's after him. David did. David was an adulterer. He was a murderer, but he has a man after God's own heart. That's the love that completes us. In verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Remember the game we played with our kids when they were little? I love you. No, I love you. I love you more. No, I love you more. I love you most. I love you most. No, I love you mostest. No, I love you mostest. And it goes back and forth. But we as parents know there's no way they could outlove us. There's no way our kids could outlove us. There's no way our grandkids could outlove us. For we love them first. God loved us first. We only love because he loved us. But John does give us a warning, just a few verses, of the failure to love. And the first is this, is we live a lie when we don't love. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Love is, we can think of love as this, God, I love you. God, I love you. Oh, God, I love you. But that's not what love is to God. Love is horizontal. It's not vertical. The way that we really love God and show God our love is, is not a vertical thing. It's a horizontal thing. That's the only thing that counts. We can say that we love God until the cows come home and we can raise and lift with both hands and we can pray the prayers and we can do all the giving. But Corinthians lets us know without love, we are nothing. And the way that we love, John says, it's a horizontal love. So church, how are we doing in, in our love? How we talk to our spouse, our husband, or wife, is it, the way, is it the way that we would talk to Jesus? The way that we're talking to our kids, is it the way that we talk to Jesus? Young people, the way that we talk to our parents and our grandparents, is, is that the way that we would talk to Jesus? Our, our co-workers, and I know different ones can test our patience, but is it the way that we would talk to Jesus? You know, Jesus says, love your enemies. John's not even going that far. He's just saying, Let, love your brothers and sisters. And I believe he's talking about Christians, fellow believers, because he knows that when we're together, the more we're together, the more opportunities there are for offenses. You won't be surprised to know that the person in this room or the people in this church building that I have the most arguments with is with my family. It's with my wife. It's with my daughters. And I probably haven't had many arguments with you, very few, because the walls are up, the, the, the defenses are up, I'm on good boy behavior with you, but when we're home behind the four walls, uh, is the way that we talk, is the way that we respond to one another, is it the way that we would talk to Jesus? And I'm not saying perfection, uh, this is a challenge where no one's going to be perfect. And the other part is, I think we can look at this and, and we can feel like this verse doesn't apply to us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Because we think, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't hate anybody. Christians don't hate people. 
But does it feel any better if we, if we really dislike them? Or if we just really can't stand them? I've been a pastor long enough to know that there's been a few through my ministry who haven't liked me. Do you think I would feel any better if they came up to me and said, Pastor, this has been on my heart. Just got to confess to you. First of all, I want you to know I don't hate you. Well, that's good. I just don't like you. I really can't stand you. Oh, I feel so much better. I'm so glad. So you don't hate me. You just don't like me. Doesn't that feel good? I mean, you put it on the other foot. I mean, if you went to someone, a coworker at work, and said, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, and, you know, we're taught that we, we love everybody, we don't hate anybody, I just want you to know, I do not hate you, but I don't like you. They're going to feel so good when you say that. It's going to relieve you and them of a lot of confusion. Oh, that's ludicrous. It's crazy. But I think we can let ourselves off the hook because we're like, we don't hate anybody, but are we loving? Are we acting in the way that love requires? When we don't love, we're living a lie. And secondly, when we don't love, we lose. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. If love is our Super Bowl, church, how are we doing? I mean, we can have really good statistics, good church attendance, good giving records, good prayer life, good Bible study, good at communicating the gospel, but are we loving? Paul says again, I remind us, he says that, that if we speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal, blah, 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 blah. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and I, I know the Bible backwards and forwards, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. If we don't have love, we're lying to ourselves and we lose. If we're not growing in love, None of us are perfect. We have things to work on, but if we're not growing in love, we're lying to ourselves and we lose. So let's take a step towards love today. Let's take his commandment seriously. Let me maybe make three suggestions for steps towards love today. The first one is this. Be honest. You can fool others. You can even fool yourself, but you can't fool God. So just be honest with God. If you're struggling with someone, God knows you're struggling with them. Confess it and say, God, I'm struggling with these people. I, I almost brought something out. I like to journal my prayers sometimes, and I, I almost brought something out. I decided against it. I didn't bring it here because I thought I might have an impulse, and so I won't do it. But it's because I was, it was a season of my life, and I was listing people I'm struggling with. And the list was getting longer. <laughs> And if I would have read that list today, I'm afraid that you were going to think, man, our pastor has issues, big issues. And I do because I'm human. Guess what? You have issues too. God knows you have issues. God knows I have issues. So we might as well be honest with God about our issues. God, I'm struggling with this person. I'm struggling with this person. Help me, Lord. And that's the second thing is ask God to forgive you. You know, at the last part of that letter that I look back on that, the thing I wrote down at the bottom, it didn't even feel like it was for me, but it said, God loves them as much as he loves you. Jesus died for them 
as much as he died for you. God has no favorites. He loves all his children. He, did, he takes no he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants everyone to have a relationship with him. God loves whoever that person is in your mind. He loves them as much as he loves you. And by the way, he does love you. But ask God, secondly, to forgive you and embrace his love. When, when we embrace his forgiveness, I think John had just embraced that he had God's love and he was free to love others. And finally, ask God to help you. Ask God to help you to be for them and not against them. Have you ever considered this, why God allows people in our lives that don't like us? Do I dare say hate us, but they don't like us? Do you ever wonder why they, God allows those people to be in our lives? Could it be so that we could learn what it is to love in response to dislike or hatred? Could it be that because God wants us to be more like him, anyone can love those who like them? Anyone can respond kindly to those who are responding kindly to them, but will we do as Jesus did and will we love those who don't love us? Finally, I'll say this. There was a, a lady in a church and her pastor, and she went up to her pastor and she said, Pastor, um, I know you've been talking about loving your neighbor and I, I've, I've been trying. I, 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 I want to love my neighbor, but you don't know my neighbor's. My neighbors are here today. I just want to make sure that you know I'm not talking to you. Um, <clears throat> says, you don't know my neighbors. You don't know my neighbors. And I've tried to be kind to them. I tried to be nice to them. And the pastor said, perhaps being nice is not the answer. Maybe you're asking with wrong motives. And the lady said, maybe so. You mean like so I could get something out of it or I could win them over? He goes, maybe something like that. But instead of praying the way you're praying, how about praying that you'll have a true love for them? That you'll have God's love for them, that your love for them will be true. Why don't you begin to do that? And, because if you love them as in the way Jesus loves them, you can't harm them. You can't do them harm. And so it was hard, but she began to pray for her neighbors. And she began to pray. And over time, uh, some time went by, and her pastor approached her in the hallway after service and said, Hey, how's your neighbors doing? And she said, You know, neighbors haven't changed much at all, but I sure have. I've changed completely, and in, instead of praying that, uh, I, you know, I used to do, to do things to win their approval, now I do things for the sake of Jesus because he died for them and he loves them, and it makes all the difference. Would you stand with me today for our last song of praise as we pray today? Father, thank you for my friends in this room. Thank you, Lord, first of all, for showing us what love is that love is a sacrificial thing. It's not easy. It's not a feeling. It's a, it's a commandment that you've given us. But Lord, when we realize how much you love us and we receive the love that we did not deserve, the forgiveness that we didn't deserve, Lord, it frees us up to love others that don't deserve it either. Lord, thank you that we can love because you first loved us. Love's not even possible without you. You are love. God is love. And God, today, maybe for some of us, you've spoken to us and people have popped into our minds. Specific people have entered into our thoughts. And Lord, we just need to be honest right now and say, God, I need your, I need your help. I'm, I'm struggling with these people. I'm struggling with this person. 
God, I'm, I'm sorry. I know you've forgiven me of much. Would you help me? I don't have it in my own strength. Would you help me to forgive as you forgive them as you've forgiven me? It's part of your Lord's prayer that we would forgive others their trespasses if you've forgiven us our trespasses. And Lord, thank you that when we love others the way that you love them, it doesn't set them free, it sets us free. Like this lady, we're the one that is changed. We're the one that embraces your love and understands that love that you have for us. Lord, I thank you today. I thank you because of your goodness that we're gonna sing about right now. It's because you've been so good to us. It's because you've been so good to us that we can dare to love others. And for that, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.